0: All right. Well, it's good to see everybody here. Praise God for who he is in our lives. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you again for who you are, how much you love us, and Father, we can't even begin to understand the depth of your love for us, but we can gain insights to your love for us, and when we do, Father, our hearts are not just pleased, but they melt before you, and and we praise you, and we and we love you and we thank you for your, again, your great love for us. I pray, Father, that you will help us to love you more and more every day. And I pray that you would just take this message and carry it in a way that will minister to each one of us and and compel us as well according to your purposes in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're continuing on with a series of messages, Miracles and Signs. This is number seven filling up the net. Well, I think you can pretty well get an idea where we're going with that, the filling up the net. So I want us to look at one last miracle that Jesus did that served as a sign to us. Jesus had already resurrected and made several appearances to his disciples. So I want to look at two of those appearances, starting with John 20, 19 and 20. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So the disciples were basically hiding in fear because of what happened to Jesus, right? Uh, They were locked up together in a room, and Jesus came and stood in the midst of them, and he bestowed peace on them. What a, what a fantastic moment. You know, they're, they're afraid, they're huddled together. They don't know if they're going to be persecuted for their relationship with Jesus. After all, they killed Jesus on the cross. And then Jesus just steps in the middle of them. Wow. <laughs> and he says, peace unto you. He knew exactly their heart, knew what they needed to hear. And, and you know, when God speaks, it cuts to the core of who we are. And so when he spoke, he spoke peace to you. And I can only imagine there was tremendous peace in that room. Praise God for that. But you and I experience that, I hope, from time to time in our walk with the Lord when we call out to him, when we're focused on him, when we're trusting in him. And, and he gives us that peace and that reassurance because he, he lives in our heart. And so we can trust him in that. And so Jesus' presence brought peace. It removed fear. And allowed his disciples to experience gladness. In John 20, 21 and 22, So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So God had given them an assignment. All right? And then in John 20, 30, uh, after they'd been witnessing Jesus doing his miracles, it says, and truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So God, God meets them. Says, "Do not fear." They're huddling in fear. God says, "Do not fear." Then He gives them their Holy Spirit before the day of Pentecost, a special, a special gift from God on the on the disciples. Then He shows them all the work that that He's been doing to encourage them. I am alive. I have resurrected. I have empowered you, and I'm still doing my work. But I want you to carry on to do my work right then in john 21 3 and 4 so if simon peter said to them i'm going fishing huh what did jesus tell them i've got work for you to do i've given you the power of the holy spirit to do it and i want you to be about my work essentially is what the witness was of doing his miracles around them simon peter said to them the other disciples i'm going fishing They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. The disciples followed the human leader, Peter, and go fishing, find out that their efforts availed nothing. God gave them assignment. God empowered them. God witnessed to them. God showed them this work to be done. And Peter goes, let's go fishing. I'm going fishing. Oh, I'll go with you too. Right? <laughs> so there's a little focus, focus there that's not quite right. And once again, coincidentally, Jesus appears. And what does he say in John 21, 5 through 6? Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? I almost wonder if he said it with a little sarcasm. <laughs> you know you're doing this stuff that is really not what i've called you to do so have you got caught anything right they answered him no and they said to them and he said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish Now, it wasn't just Peter, it was all the disciples. The disciple is a learner or a follower of Jesus Christ. And they were called to throw the net into the water to catch the fish, just as you and I are called to catch fish, which is to be winning souls for Christ. In this exhausted, unfruitful, and disappointing moment, Jesus appears and speaks to them with the care and tenderness of a father. An all-knowing and wise God always knows what's going on And is there to help get us back on track with his plans. So when I said, did Jesus speak with sarcasm? I kind of think maybe with a little bit, but there's love behind it. (laughs) I'm trying to direct you. Now, I'm interjecting that perception. Okay, it doesn't say that in scripture. It's just a thought of my own. But Jesus always says everything with love and a purpose, right? And and so uh, praise God for his involvement in their lives. Now, we need to remember, as I've already said, that Jesus already gave them their assignment and the gift, that's the Holy Spirit, needed to complete it. God will never call us to do a work that he hasn't equipped us to do with special gifts, but he's, all, he's given all of us the gift of the Holy Spirit to do the work that God wants us to do. And when we learn to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit not in our own power, we are at all at the power of God. Are we not? Because you know, that was a God thing. And I love the God things. I love the wow things, the God things, all that. Because it's awesome to see God work. So praise God for that. He doesn't just abandon us and leave us to do the job, right? He's still there with us to help us out. Now perhaps fear and insecurities and doubts. Maybe that's what happened with Peter, okay? Okay. Maybe the fear and the insecurity or doubts took over and pushed the disciples back to what was comfortable. That is not an unusual thing because we can, the devil will throw fear into our head and try to redirect us and try to have us doubt God. And so our natural tendency is to want to protect ourselves and we step back into our comfort zone. That's where we're comfortable But that's not where we're going to grow in God and that's not where we're going to accomplish what God wants to do in our life. And that's really the crises of our faith to to choose to do what God has said to do or not to do it. Unfortunately, God did not say that following me is going to be comfortable. (laughs) But following me does require relying on me and we see the wow and the awesomeness of God in our life. And that's powerful, and that brings glory to God. Praise, 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 praise God for that. New challenges given to us by God and the fears that they may go with them can drive us to what is comfortable when we take our eyes off our true leader, God. Our self-rationalization, the what-ifs, the uh uh-ohs, all these things that we allow ourselves to focus on rob us of what god wants us to do if we hear god lead us and we say okay and then we sit on it for a while and we rationalize it with our own thinking we're going what am i thinking <laughs> what am i doing i don't know man this is tough really did you say? see and it spirals down and we need to be willing to stand true to god and what he calls us to do but being comfortable or using the human skills they already had led to nothing. They used the fishing skills. They're fishermen. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Why? Because I'm comfortable there. Right? I'm going fishing. And it led to nothing, which in their own line of work can lead to hunger. It was non-profitable to them. And when we are not willing to follow God and be in response to him but just do our own thing, It does not feed us spiritually. It does not make us the people that God wants us to be, at least not to the fullest extent. Thankfully, we heard Jesus' instructions and obeyed. They heard Jesus' instructions and obeyed, and were blessed with a miracle of of an abundant catch. Think about Jesus and his love for the disciples at this moment. He he went to them and said, "Don't fear." He gave them a gift of the gift of the Holy Spirit before Pentecost. He exhibits his work that needs to be done, the miracles that are doing. He commissions them to go on. They go fishing. What would our natural response might be? What are you idiots doing out there? (laughs) I mean, right? We might be pretty critical. And God certainly has the right to be critical. No, he just said, did you catch anything yet? (laughs) Here, drop it on the right side. See, and there's a point to this that we're going to come up to and look at now. So I love God and what he does and his compassion and his tenderness. He doesn't reject us. He's with us and he's always there to help us to get on the track that God wants us to be on. He reassures us, he guides us when we mess up, right? And then he blesses us despite all of our mess up. (laughs) He doesn't kick us when we're down. He doesn't say, okay, you idiots, what are you doing? Doesn't tear you down. He steps in with love, with a a motive in mind and said, I need to help redirect you because i love you i've not rejected you and there's still a mission at hand so praise god for his love what happened to peter before jesus died and rose going back remember the puzzle the pieces of the puzzle right and john 18 25 to 26 now simon peter stood and warmed himself therefore they said to him you are not also uh, one of his disciples are you he denied it and said i am not One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him, whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? It was a moment of him standing up for Jesus and saying, I am his disciple, but fear overcame him, and fear produced anger. Peter was angry because if you read the text, he was asked about three times, because Jesus said, You're going to deny me three times, and then you're going to hear the cock crow. So, So Peter knew that he blew it. I'm going fishing. (laughs) Because I don't trust who I am, possibly. I think we can kind of relate with that. We blew it so worldly. we don't give us credit to rely on God's grace. And that's what God's doing here. He's giving grace, saying, I know, and I know your heart, and I know it's tough. And I know you're afraid, and fill in the blank, God knows. But I still have called you, and I have equipped you. And the blessings are rich beyond your understanding as you follow me. Because they certainly didn't understand what it meant to be an apostle of Christ. <laughs> Not that time. But later they did. Peter's denial of Jesus may have left him in a place of fear and anxiety, right, that he might fail again in his new assignment that Jesus had given him. You know, there have been times when I've preached a message and I've gone, that was such a bomb of a message. I've, I, I'm, I, not just here, but in other churches that I pastored, the other three pastors, the other three churches that I pastored over the years. But I can remember sitting on the, the steps going up to the platform and just sitting there and weeping before God, and just feeling like this. And God knew, God knew my broken heart. But you know what? God didn't say, oh, "I understand. This go, you go back into cooking and be comfortable." <laughs> no, He said, "Rely on Me." There's still more things to do. I've not given up on you even if you feel like giving up. And so we have to rely on God because we love him. And we know that he loves us definitely. Peter was probably afraid he'd fall, fail again. He went back fishing and then what happened when he did that? The others go, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> he didn't ask them. He just said, I'm going fishing. And they say, oh, I think our follow too. And it kind of fits into the testimony of of Torn or Tegan that, 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 you know, was Torn that Carolyn was talking about, of the domino effect, how our witness affects people unaware to us. And so how how we respond to following God is not just about us. It's about God using us to influence each other to do the same. Yet Satan draws us into what? Us. (laughs) His fears were replacing his faith. And that's that's a sad place to be as a Christian. God doesn't want us to live in fear, no matter what the circumstance is. He wants us to live in faith. Rabbi Jason Sobel wrote, True faith believes the best. While fear thinks the worst. Isn't that true? When we're acting in faith, we're looking at all the positive and relying on God. When we're acting in fear, we resubstantiate our fear <laughs> by our own rationale. That statement true faith believes the best while fear thinks the worst might serve as our personal thermometer to where we are with God in a particular situation. If God has told us something, but we're thinking the worst, dwelling on the negatives, cons, and fears, then maybe we aren't living in true faith. I think that's a good thing for us to remember as as believers following Jesus. If we find ourselves wallowing in all the fear, the anxieties, and all that stuff, are we really exercising our faith in Jesus? Because in reality, it should be one or the other. We can take our fears and anxieties to God, but that's a step of faith. That's not a wallowing in it. That's not a wallowing in the fears. And I think that's a good thing for us to take note of. Fear undermines faith and corrupts vision. I've swum in clear water. You can see 10 feet ahead of you, 15 feet ahead of you below you, and I've swum in water where I can't see the end of my nose underwater. I like the clarity. I like the clarity. It, that's faith, causes us to believe, or fear, rather, causes us to believe in the worst possible future. Fear leads to pessimism and cynicism. Fear brings cursing But faith brings blessing. What were the disciples doing in the upper room? They were gathered together in fear, huddling and hiding, in fear of the persecution. What did Jesus do? He stepped right in the middle of their fear and anxiety and said, Peace be unto you. Now, I'm giving you my spirit. Now, I've got got work for you to do. That's cool. But that's also God's love. Right? Right? And his, his stance, when we sing that song that, that reflected standing on the rock, that's the stance that we're called to take. Our Jesus is our rock. And we continue on. Faith helps us overcome. First John 5, 4 and 5. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. He who... Ha- Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Only in Jesus can we stand firm on faith in Jesus. Without Jesus, we can put faith in everything else that really doesn't have the security of the solid rock of Jesus. Because nothing is secure in this world. But Jesus is eternal and our security forever. Faith helps us to overcome. 1 John 5, 4 and 5. Okay, did I just read that? I did. So the Greek verb for overcomers or overcomes is nikeo. It means to conquer or to prevail. That's the type of life God wants us to live. He wants, to live, he wants us to live not a, a life of fear and recluseness that hides in fear like the disciples were in the upper room. No, he wants us to live as conquerors, overcomers that prevail against the odds. And we do that through faith in Jesus. Jesus came for us to have victory and conquer the fears that can drag us down or cause us to make poor decisions. We need to remember that our fears will substantiate our rationale for our poor decisions. But our faith will stabilize our walk with God. And so we need to have that faith. This miracle of filling the net with fish, as we read about, is a sign and a reminder to us. Okay, Do you remember what we talked about a few weeks ago in the message part five, multiplying fishes? Okay, so we're going to think about that. Like the disciples being sent by Jesus to continue the Father's work, we too are called to fill our nets with fish. Now, all hands were on the nets on the side of the boat. In other words, the disciples were there. They all grabbed the net together. They threw the net. So our involvement is important. However, God calls us to serve and to work and to do the things of God. Is that part of reaching out and winning the lost? But we're still individually called to win the lost. By any means that God gives us the opportunity to shine as a light, as a light, like Torin did, or like Tegan standing up here, right, reading scripture, whatever, bear the light. That God has for us to shine. Every one of us. Not just me. A pastor. right, Or someone who is an evangelist. Should be catching fish. We all know that. And it's one of the scariest things. just I don't know why it's scary though. I mean. I can drop a line in the water easily to go fishing. That's not scary. I don't expect jaws to jump up at me. <laughs> you know. But. But we are called to, just to bear his light and to be that salt that others might be drawn to him. And then we're called to speak, as God calls us to. God wants us to fill our nets. We must operate out of a place of faith, not fear. And obedience to what the Holy Spirit leads us to do. The thought of what God might tell us to do can be terrifying to believers sometimes. It's because they've already preconditioned themselves to be afraid. But God only wants to work wonders and good and conquering victory in our lives that brings them glory. The wow factor, the awesomeness of God. I want to see that more and more in each of our lives as we follow him. We can't put our eyes on a human leader or leaders and strictly follow him or them, right? Just because we're only supposed to follow Jesus. And we're supposed to be true to him and his word. We must keep our faith on our God and follow him and his, and his instructions to us. You know, when God speaks to us, when we honestly know that God is speaking to our heart about something, that's exciting. God on his throne is speaking to you and to me. And he's telling us what he wants you and me to do. That's exciting. And follow through is simply surrender to God in faith. And rely on his strength, not our own. And when we recognize we don't have the strength that generates the fear, turn it around and praise God for it because God is my strength and God will bring victory. Right? In other words, my faith, your faith in God to do what he wanted to, to enable us to do, what he caused us to do is greater than our fear of what might happen. It's to see what God can do. And we can praise him for that. Praise him for that. It doesn't mean we don't use our leaders or another Christian to help guide us. Because God puts leaders in our lives. It just means... We need to be in the word and praying about our decisions and seeking God's plans for us. The Holy Spirit will convict us if something that we're deciding is against his will. And 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 the Holy Spirit will tell us too that we can line up where we're going based upon the word of God. But we have to be in his word. It means that we need to be, again, in his word and praying about our decisions, seeking God's plans for us. God has a plan for you and me right now, today, and the rest of our life. But we need to listen to him and recognize when he speaks and do what he says for us to do. He knows who we are and what our circumstances are. And this miracle... Of the fish, right? The instructions of Je- uh, the instructions Jesus gave used concepts from Jewish teachings to emphasize the importance of being in His Word. I'm referring to cast your net to the right side. I want to look at that real briefly before we close this message. In John 21:6, Jesus said, "And He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some.'" So they cast the net. I bet they were casting on the left side. Okay. So, so but, but, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, shrimpers out there are going to drop their net on just the right side of the boat all the time, right? It just means in this circumstance. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. The Jewish thought of the right side is associated with the Torah. When they carry the Torah scroll in the synagogue, they always carry it on the right. And when someone unrolls it, they, they begin from the right side. And how many fish were caught in the net? Do you remember? John 21, 11. Simon Peter. Thank you very much. Simon went up and dragged the net to the land full of large fish. 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. During Jesus' time on earth... The Jewish people read the Torah broken into 153 readings, which usually took over a three year time period, which is, how, which is how long Jesus was teaching the disciples, right? How long was Jesus teaching the disciples? Three years. Today, many Jews will do the readings, those 153 readings, in a one year time frame. The right side of the boat and the 153 fish were hidden messages in this miracle reminding the disciples and us that we need to be in the word to be effective and fruitful for the Lord. Even even David facing Goliath, he didn't go out there without a weapon. And our weapon is the word of God. And so if we're going to go out there witnessing to God, the enemy's going to hit, and we've got to have the word. And we we need to be in it. Because it not only feeds us, it equips us. The miracle of the large catch of fish in the net was not only to, to boost the disciples' faith and give them some reminders, but it was to serve as a sign to them and to us that there's going to be a great catch. A great catch of souls for the Lord. And Jesus already told his disciples about it in Matthew 9:36 and 38. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Holy Spirit's always working, but you know, for some reason, God doesn't need us to do his work. God's employed us to be involved with him. And it's a great honor, and it's a great privilege. So may, we, may each one of us be moved with compassion as Jesus was going, as Jesus was, excuse me, let me read that again. May we be moved with compassion as Jesus as Jesus was, and go out and start filling up our net with the fish. Just like the disciples, put your hands on the net and do the work to cast to reach the lost. And that's a group effort, and it's also a, an individual mandate of God. And so when God shows us the opportunity to shine for him, even in a simple way, shine. Even in a simple way, shine. Shine. I like to think, you know, okay, here's the simple way I can make this statement and leave it alone, and I'm shining. But even then, there's this little hesitation sometimes spiritually in warfare. But I kind of wonder, and I'm not trying to elevate my grandson, but just as an example, I don't, I didn't hear any hesitation in him. (laughs) We shouldn't be hesitant, but bold. Peter prayed, and Peter asked, pray for me that I have boldness. Let me pray that for ourselves and each other that we are bold for the Lord. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Just go to the Lord. Father, I want to thank you so much for your word, for your love, for your compassion, for your understanding, for knowing who we are, knowing our fears, knowing our, our reluctancies, but also knowing that your faith enables us to follow you. And so, Father, increase our faith. Faith comes by hearing, by the word of God. Help us to be in your word. Help us to meditate on it. Help us to learn. Help us to be equipped as soldiers of Jesus, that we go out into the world not um, uh, naked, but clothed with your word to present truth. And I pray, Father, please, that you give us the boldness and courage, but most of all, And the greatest of all, Lord, the genuine love for you to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.